0: It is good to be with you this morning here at White Plains Baptist Church. It is good to have worshiped with you, worshiped our God together, and uh, it is good to see your faces. Welcome to White Plains. My name is Gary, and if you're new here, I want to say a a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest this morning. I hope that you find that this church is a warm and welcoming place for you. Kids, it's always good to see y'all here. Uh, Next Saturday is the day. I'm Super excited about going to Ralphie's and showing some bowling skills. Are you guys practicing your bowling and skating and all that? Well, next week, CJ, are you, yeah, uh, are they getting, how, how are we getting there? Are they just, meet, do what? Okay, so meet us, meet there at Ralphie's at 11. Sounds good. And then parents, stick around and make it a family thing. Enjoy, enjoy this time together as we have some fun with our kids uh, at a fun place called Ralphie's over in Glasgow. Kids, I hope you guys can make it next Saturday, this Saturday. Uh, you're dismissed to go to the lobby, uh, to go on up to Kids Church. Kids Church is for kids in kindergarten through the sixth grade, and they'll be dismissed after our service is over to the lobby. As they are leaving, I want to let you know where we're headed in our sermon series starting next week. We're we're going to start a five-week sermon series Uh, that will lead us up to Easter. And I am very excited about this this, uh, series, probably more excited than I have been about anything that I've preached through, uh, because we're going to be looking at Jonah, the book of Jonah. It's a fun book, and when you think of Jonah, you think of the whale, don't you? Uh, But I'm subtitling this sermon series, It's Not About the Whale. And what we're going to learn in Jonah is that it's about a man who's running from God, and about a god who's patient and loving and caring and kind running after him. And so it's the the message in Jonah is a really good message for us inside the church and it's a really good message for those outside the church. And I'm hopeful that if you have friends or family who you have who they've expressed to you or you see in their lives that they are running from God or they feel distant from God that this might be a good opportunity to invite them to be with us, especially as we lead up to Easter this year. So that'll be starting uh, next week. Join us and invite your friends and family. But today we're going to finish Biblical Church, this series where I've been leading us through seven biblical purposes of the church, and therefore seven biblical purposes for the Christian. Christians are the church. You and I are the church. We are White Plains Baptist Church, and as the church— we've been exploring what the Bible says that we should be about collectively. And I hope that we're seeing what the Bible says we should be about as a church. It's also saying what we should be about as individual Christians. Now, these seven purposes that we've been through are not probably the only things the church should be about, but they're foundational for us. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the biblical purpose of prayer. And I hope that this morning will be... uh, an engaging time for you because not only are we going to be talking about prayer, but we're going to have some time doing prayer. Is that how you say that? I don't even know. Like, do you do prayer? I don't know. We're going to do prayer later. So, um, but to start us off, I want to give you a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He said this: "To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing." And isn't that statement true? Think about your life as a Christian. It's it's impossible without prayer. As impossible as it is to to be alive and not breathe. Perhaps some of you have been attempting to be a Christian without prayer. Maybe for some time now. How is that going for you? How is it going trying to be a Christian and not praying? Do you find yourself far from God? Do you find yourself closely following Jesus in your prayerlessness? It's very much like trying to be alive without breathing. It might be possible for a little bit. You could probably hold your breath for a moment and be living and not breathing. You might could even hold your breath for a while and and live for a while, but it's not sustainable. You can't do it long-term. And maybe... That's where you find yourself this morning. You've been trying to be a Christian. You've been trying to follow Jesus and not praying. To follow Jesus, we must pray. To live, we must breathe. Just as air is essential for our survival, prayer is essential for our Christian survival. So how would you define prayer? How would you express what prayer is? When I think of prayer and how to define it, I think of one of my favorite songs from about a year or so ago. Maybe you know it. It's a song by Elevation Worship and Maverick City Music. And this song really introduced to at least me, Brandon Lake, who's, I don't know if you know those names, but very popular in the Christian worship scene right now. Uh, very good uh, music. The song I'm thinking of and speaking of is called Talking to Jesus. I would play it for you this morning, but like most of their music, it's eight minutes long, and I don't think we want to sit here for eight minutes and and hear their definition of prayer, Um, but I do want to give you some of the lyrics uh, on the screen here. Here's some of the words that I would like for us to examine before we hear what Jesus has to say about what prayer is. So maybe if you're familiar with the song, you know where this is in the the song, but some of the lyrics are, there's no wrong way to do it. There's no bad time to start. It don't have to sound pretty. Just tell him what's on your heart. Because it's not a religion, because it's more like a friendship. Just talk to your father like you were his kid. Just start talking to Jesus. So leave these lyrics on the screen for me. I want us to sort of examine these as we attempt to define prayer. So let me say again that that I absolutely love this song. It's a, it's a wonderful song. Uh, it encourages us to prayer, um, to know more about prayer and to uh, perhaps even pray more. Uh, I've spent hours listening to the song. Of course, at eight minutes long, it didn't take many repeats to reach an hour, but it's it's a, it's a good song. I enjoy. However, do you see anything wrong with the words on this screen as it comes to prayer? I will continue to listen to this song, but as I listen to it, I have to practice discernment. I don't get all of my theology about prayer from this song. I won't use this song to encourage others to learn how to pray because there's at least one line up here on the screen that is really wrong. There's a couple other lines that are a little problematic and we'll discuss all that. Um, have you found the problem verse yet of the, of the song? You don't have to say it. Um, but there's plenty of helpful instruction. So don't think that I'm attacking this song because I'm not. I really do like this song a lot. But again, as, as I intake things that I think of, that draw me to God and point me to know him better, I need to practice discernment. I need to understand what it is I'm putting myself to. There's plenty of helpful things here. So let me uh, point out some of the helpful things. Just start talking to Jesus. This is good. This This is proper stuff, especially if you have found yourself in a season of prayerlessness. Just start. Just do prayer. This is good encouragement for us. It's biblical. Just talk to your father. Again, good advice, good instruction here. We pray, when we pray, we're praying to God the Father. This is this is good uh, from the song. The next line or the next line I want to speak of is because it's not a religion, because it's more like a friendship. Now this line is okay. However, well the first part is is, is good. The friendship part is okay, but I would say that our relationship with God especially through our prayer life, is closer than a friendship. We are talking to our Heavenly Father when we pray, not to our Heavenly Friend. Now, I realize I'm being a little bit picky with this critique, and using friendship as a juxtaposition as of religion is creatively okay, so I get what he's trying to do, but it's just theologically weak. Now, I want to draw that to your attention as you look through uh, these lyrics the next uh, line that I want to speak of is just tell him what's on your heart. Again, I could be a little bit critical of this line just because Jesus gives us clear instruction on what to do when we pray, and it's more than just tell him what's on our heart. Telling him on our, on what's on our heart is part of what Jesus' instructions are to us as we pray, but it's, it's, so it's more than that, though. And we're going to get into all of that this morning. There's no bad time to start. It don't have to sound pretty. This is good instruction here. This is biblical. Um, pray at all times without ceasing, especially if you've gone through a season of prayerlessness. There's no bad time to start. Start today. Start in a moment. Start now. There's no bad time to start. Um, but the, the major red flag that I see here in these lyrics that are on your screen, especially if you're not familiar with Scripture, is you could be misled with that first line on your screen uh, if we're not careful. There's no wrong way to do it. Have you ever thought that there's no wrong way to pray? If you were to instruct a new believer in how to pray, would you use this advice? Now, again, I love this song. I'm not mad at this song by any stretch of the imagination, um, but I remember the first time I heard the song, as I was listening to the lyrics, this lyric popped up, and I was like, oh, that's not right. My, my biblically informed discernment said, there are wrong ways to pray. Jesus tells us that there's wrong ways to pray. So let me allow Jesus to speak to this so that you don't think that this is just my opinion against what the writers of this song say. In Matthew 6, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, this morning. And we'll start in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Jesus' instructions on how to pray to you. You are good to us. Your word is full of of wonderful truths for us to discover. Help us to look into your word this morning and to pull out Jesus' instructions for us as we want to love you more through our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus says right here, There is a right way and a wrong way to pray. He says, don't do this. Don't be like these people. Instead, do this and pray like this. Jesus instructs us to pray in the Bible because this is the one thing a disciple of his asked him to teach him. This is the only time in Scripture where Jesus' disciples say, will you teach us something, Jesus? This is the one thing they asked. Let's look at Luke 11, verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So Luke and Matthew both wrote gospel accounts, and they're recording the same scene here in the life and ministry of Jesus. They're speaking to two different audiences, from two different perspectives, and Luke sets this narrative as part of the life of Jesus with a question from one of the disciples. Matthew puts this part of his gospel in a long dialogue or long monologue of Jesus' teaching. If you look in your Bible, both sections, Luke 11 and then Matthew um, 6, are entitled The Lord's Prayer. If the disciples of Jesus only asked him to teach them this one thing, don't you think it's important for us to know and follow what Jesus advises about prayer? Absolutely. So, how does Jesus teach us to pray? First, he says, don't do some stuff, don't be like the hypocrites. It's important to note that, again, in Matthew, he's putting together several uh, teachings of Jesus that Jesus has been um, teaching throughout the area, and he's been sort of attacking the Pharisees' understanding of what Scripture is like. This begins in Matthew chapter 5 with the Sermon on the Mount and continues through the whole chapter, which is a pretty long chapter, and then in verse 6 here, Jesus continues to teach against the Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites as he begins teaching about prayer. Now, remember, in Matthew, we have this long monologue of these teachings of Jesus, but in Luke 11, there's some dialogue between Jesus and his disciples. So we're going to stick with Matthew as we learn from Jesus how to pray. So Jesus says, Don't pray like the Pharisees, the hypocrites. Much of the ministry and life of Jesus is in contrast to the application and teaching of the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the religious leaders of the Jewish people. They are attempting to worship God correctly and instruct the Jewish people to follow God. They are very influential in Israel, but they are missing the point of following God because they are missing Jesus. Jesus constantly uses the Pharisees to teach his followers how not to follow God. This is a way that Jesus teaches it. I, I did something similar this morning with showing you that, that, those song lyrics. This is not how to do it. I'm showing you Jesus' words on how to do it. This is how Jesus taught often. This ultimately gets Jesus killed, though, because the Pharisees get tired of being taught against but it is a good way to learn. Don't do this. Do this instead. So how were the Pharisees praying? They would pray publicly, very publicly. Now, praying publicly isn't necessarily wrong in and of itself. It's not bad. I just did it. I'm going to do it again. We'll ask Brent to do it later on this morning. But the Pharisees, when they would pray publicly they would do it to be seen by others instead of being seen by God. They would do this in the synagogues. They would do this in the streets. They were known to pray publicly to be seen. Our internal motivation for praying publicly matters. Jesus also says not to pray like the Gentiles who heap up empty phrases. Now, pagan religions... They often require repetition of words to sort of wake up their gods. That's how they would get their attention. They would repeat stuff over and over and over again. Pagan religion often requires that. This is pointless for the Christian. We have an active God. We have a God who's interested deeply in our lives. We don't have to wake him up. He is with us. He is in us. Our God is actively interested in our lives. And Jesus says that our Father knows what we need even before we ask it. We don't have to approach our God and wake him up. He's awake. He's active. Jesus then moves from teaching us how not to pray to demonstrating how we should pray. And so in your notes, if you want to follow along, prayer begins with worship. Prayer begins with worship. Jesus says, Our Father in heaven. We address our prayer to our heavenly Father and begin, and we begin with worship. When we pray, we should begin with worship. As we approach our Creator, our Maker, our Sustainer, the one who keeps everything going, we worship. It is right to recognize His status as God and Father. Our prayers are meant to at least, partly, to be worshipful. If you approach God with only a list of requests and needs, you're missing out on a large part of how Jesus teaches us to pray. Begin with worship. Many times it helps to pray in response to something you've read from Scripture. Reading God's revealed word before you pray helps put your mind in a better frame to approach Him in prayer. And so we're going to try this today. Let's take a passage of Scripture and let it feed our prayer as we pray the way that Jesus instructs us. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn over to Psalm 1. It'll be on the screen, and I think I've put it in your notes as well. Yeah, it's in your notes there too. But we're going to spend quite a bit of time with this passage of Scripture. So if you have your Bible... I would encourage you to go ahead and turn over to Psalm 1 because we're going to use it for several parts of our prayer time this morning. So let's, let's look at Psalm 1. It's short. It's just six verses, but Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sets in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff in the wind that drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the, for the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What do you notice in this passage that can give you praiseworthy attributes of God. When you look at this passage, it speaks a lot about the the person who is righteous or following God, Uh, but there's much to pull out from this passage about, about God. What's true and what's praiseworthy? What do you see? The phrase, the law of the Lord lets us know that God has given us words to live by. We know that God loves His creation. We know that God loves us because He gave us this law. And we know that this law is Scripture, the Bible. God has given us much here in His Word that is praiseworthy. I'm mean, going to give you a prayer prompt for each of the ways that Jesus teaches us to pray. And we're going to put all this together at the end of our service uh, this morning to form a Jesus taught, biblically developed prayer. So keep Psalm 1 open as we uh, use these prompts. But our first prompt this morning on your notes is, God, you are worthy of praise because you are a loving Father who has declared what's right and wrong. So that, that prompt, do you see that in Psalm 1? Do you see that God says what's right and wrong? If he's given us a law, he's done that, right? That's what laws do. They tell us what's right and wrong. And that's what we have in Scripture. The next thing that Jesus teaches us in our prayer or how to pray is prayer acknowledges God's holiness. Prayer acknowledges God's holiness. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. So we go from worshiping God to acknowledging the holiness of God in our prayers. We recognize that God is different than we are and that he has a desire that we be different like him. We are created in his image. God desires us to be like him. And as we pray, we recognize that we are approaching our heavenly father who is different, who is holy. And the prayer prompt is, God, you have given us your word to show us your holiness and your desire for our holiness. The next part of your notes prayer is kingdom minded. Prayer is kingdom minded. Jesus says, Your kingdom come. So, what is this kingdom speaking of? My ESV study Bible says it this way The presence of God's kingdom in this age refers to the reign of Christ in the hearts and lives of believers. Into the reigning presence of Christ in his body, the church, so that they increasingly reflect his love, obey his laws, honor him, do good for all people, and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So the prayer prompt here is Your desire is for a holy people, a righteous kingdom living and responding to your holiness and following after Jesus. The next blank in your notes, prayer submits to God's will. Prayer submits to God's will. Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If God has given us his word, and it includes his will, his desires for us, we must recognize that. We must submit to it in our prayer life. I have heard that in prayer we're trying to move God. And that may be true, for sure. But we must understand that God has a desire for us. God is trying to move us to His will. We must be willing to be moved to God's will, to conform to it, and not attempt to force God only to conform to our will through prayer. This is especially true if our desire is outside of god's desire let prayer move you the prompt here may your will for a holy people be true in my church and in my family the next blank is prayer requests should include daily personal needs jesus says give us this day our daily bread we most certainly should include prayer requests for ourselves and others as we approach our Heavenly Father. God knows what we need, before we even ask it. God knows what we need. God knows what we want. But we should never let that stop us from voicing those to Him. Much like a loving Father, He desires to hear from us what He already knows what's within us. The prompt here is, Father, you know that I need, and then you can just fill in the blank with paragraphs if needed. The next blank is, prayer requests should include ongoing spiritual needs. Prayer requests should include ongoing spiritual needs. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Our spiritual needs are just as important as our physical needs, perhaps even more important. God knows that life in this world, on this earth, under the curse of sin, is difficult. We are constantly bombarded with opportunities to deny the faith. We need to be strengthened spiritually. God wants this for you. He wants to strengthen you spiritually. He's happy and more than willing to answer this request. He is able to strengthen you spiritually. The prompt here is, strengthen us spiritually to live out the righteousness you've called us to by. And then just write or pray, however you would want to fill in the rest of that statement. And the last one is, prayer recognizes our spiritual weakness. Prayer recognizes our spiritual weakness. Jesus says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are not powerful people in and of ourselves. We're not. We're weak. We have access to the power of God, absolutely. And we need to be aware, though, of our weakness when we're not following after God's will. God protects us in many ways that we're probably not even aware of. God goes before us. He keeps us safe. He is powerful. As we submit to His will, we can rest in His protection. The prayer prompt here is, go before us and protect us. Keep us safely held in your powerful hands. And so we went through the the Lord's Prayer this morning. I hope that we've seen that it's essential for Christians to pray, just as it is essential to breathe. So what is the benefit of prayer? Is there a benefit of prayer?